Let me say, I bring you greetings from all your brethren in Nigeria, Fountain of the World Church in Yaba, Lagos. And um, I want to thank you especially for all the things that you do for us in Nigeria. We are grateful. We are grateful to our Father and the Lord who had put, who God has committed his work into his hands. I'd like to share with you this morning on the topic I call that I may know him, that I may know him, and I may know him. And um, rather than put I there, I'd like you to, to put your name there, that I, Pastor Sunday, may know him, and then you put your own name there. And uh, <laughs> I didn't hear you, you can do it louder than that. It's a conscious effort to know God. And before I begin to share with you, I'd like to bow our heads and talk to God. That from what I will share this morning, that God will speak to you. Everything may not bring profit to you, but that you will pick something from this morning, Simon. That you will not go back the same. Open your mouth and talk to God. You pray for yourself. Pray for yourself. You have you've come here not to see your neighbor, but to meet with God first of all. And to have an encounter with your brethren. An encounter with God was the main thing that brought you here. Ask God that as the word of God comes forth this morning, you will, you will take something out of it. And the name of the Lord shall be glorified. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Like I said, I'd like to share with you the time I have on that I may know him. I, I may not be able to finish my sermon, but I'd like to pay attention. The little you will hear, there are some, one or two things that will profit you in particular. And that's, that's the one that is, um, should be of paramount importance to you. I picked my text from Philippians chapter 3 verse 10, which was what Apostle Paul said. Philippians 3 10, he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. That I may know him. Apostle Paul was one speaking here. But he's saying that I, I desire to know him more. And I'll get some parts that will interest you that if Paul was saying that I want to see no more of him, I think um, it's a big challenge for all of us. There's a need for everyone who have accepted Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior to know God and keep knowing him. Nobody can say, I have finished knowing God. You know? Yeah, you can finish with the Bible, but you cannot say, I have finished knowing God. So it's a continuous exercise as long as we are on this side of eternity. There's a, be a strong desire in our hearts to know God. Most people... Most Christians, and I say Christians, believers who are born again, desire that others will know him for them. But it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. No matter how much you love your wife, no matter how much you love your husband, no matter how much you love your children, there are some things you can't do for them. They have to do it for themselves. For example, you can, your wife cannot be very busy. And you say because you love your wife, your wife will say, my dear, eat, eat for me. While I'm busy doing this work I'm doing. You, you can't do that. There are some things we have to do for ourselves. And if I'm hungry, I'm the one that will eat. My wife cannot eat for me. My children cannot eat for me. And the same thing goes to the knowledge of God. When it comes to knowing God, nobody can do it for you. You can get one or two benefits out of somebody who had known God for your whole life. But sometimes when the chips of life are down, it is about you and God only. Praise the Lord. So, so, God wants every one of us to have a close, personal, intimate relationship with him. With him. And from that relationship flows out the things that you need to get from God. I don't know whether you understand what I'm saying. 
the relationship that our children have with us, it was gives them what they get. Some, some weeks ago in, 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 my, in my local church, I was trying to resolve a little conflict within a young girl and um, the person she lives with. She, she's not a biological child of that person. She lives with that person. And then she started misbehaving. And then they told her to leave. She, the, the, the person that told her to go was justified. And I called, I tried to plead, but said, no, I don't want her back. Now, but this is where I'm going. And then I told her, I said, you have been copying the daughter of this person. He said, right. I said, that's why they make a mistake. You are not part of them here. You came to live here for a while. You cannot be behaving or misbehaving like the daughter of the house. If she misbehaves, there's nowhere the parent can send her to. But you have your own parents. You have to go back to your parents. Now, what I'm trying to say is that some of the things we desire as Christians, they are things that flow out of our relationship with God because now we have come to know God as our Father. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Some people know him as God, but some of us know him as our Father. Now, when you know him as your father, some things begin to flow out of it. Now, knowing God is not the exclusive right of pastors only. It is not the exclusive right of some group of people. It is the responsibility of everyone who have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. In this kingdom, there are people who, yes, God has anointed for the purpose of ministering to the body of Christ. But there's nothing like a super saint that sits somewhere and all of us go to go and be going to him to tell us what to do or what not to do. Everybody, everybody has a direct relationship with God. Praise the Lord. So, two reasons why, it's not the whole thing. Two reasons why you and I must know God. I mean, I, I'm not saying that's all the reasons, but I, I'm just, for what was teaching? Two reasons why you must know God. Number one. For doctrinal issues, there are so many doctrinal errors all over the place. If you don't know God, you may likely be a victim of that. If you know the, the, if you know the real dollar note, when you touch a fake one, you will know. You will know. We, and and that's, I'm, I'm saying this because a lot of people think that by going to learn about Satan... They will know God more. That's not how you do it. You know God well, so that when you see the things that are not godly, you identify them easily. So for the number one reason why we know God is for doctrinal issues. There are so many doctrines in the world today about our faith, but because a lot of people don't know God, and they are easily deceived when others tell them what is not true about our God. You know, people tell her, I'll tell you what is not true about God. And you believe it because you don't know God for yourself too. For example, people tell you that maybe you are sick in your body and they tell you that, oh no, God is trying to teach you something. Mm -mm. That's, that's a doctrinal error. If you are sick in your body, God is not trying to teach you anything. Devil is trying to kill you. So what do you do? You resist him. You resist him. The Bible says clearly to us in John 10.10 10, that the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But God told us, I have come that you may have life, and you may have the life abundantly. The second reason why we um, need to know God is because his ways are not our ways. You need to understand that. 
In Isaiah chapter 50, 55 verse 8, he told us clearly, he said, my ways are not your ways. So if you want to follow somebody who has a different way from your own way, then you need to learn his way. Praise the Lord. In this relationship, in this relationship, God is in charge. If you, because when we came to give our lives to Christ, we, we gave our lives to him. Amen? Even I know that some of us take it back once in a while. But we're supposed to give our lives to him and leave it there. And if you give your life to him, you should take instructions from him. He should lead you. He should guide you. And if he's going to lead you and guide you, then you must know his ways. I'll give you a typical example. You're, you're, trying, you're saving up money to buy a car. And they tell you that the car is going to cost like $3,000 or $5,000 or put $5,000. And you saved up like $3,000 trying to make up for $2,000. And then one of the days we were praying and the Lord said to you, take that $3,000 and sow it to your church. He said, no, 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 Lord, I'm trying to buy a car. I'm almost there. He said, no, but I know. I'm trying to help you. Sow it to, sow it to the church. The Bible says in the book of um, Luke 6, 38, it says, give and it shall be given unto you. That's the way God works. In the world, it is save and you have more. In the kingdom, it says, give and shall be given unto you. So his ways are not our ways. They're not our ways. So we, the reason why we need to know God is that we may learn his ways. So when we come to give our life to Christ, to become a new creation, we're a new na- we have a new nature, and because we have a new nature, the nature by which you operate in the world is not the same thing in relation with God. God is a spirit. He's not a man. He's a spirit. So if God is a spirit, you, you need to learn how to operate on what you call the spirit-to-spirit communication. Praise the Lord. You need to learn how to yield to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it is not easy. Sometimes it does not conform to the standards of this world. Sometimes in yielding to the Holy Spirit, men will laugh at you. Your, your relatives will make fun of you. People will call you foolish. People will call you stupid in trying to respond to the things of God. But because his ways are not our ways. And if you have learned how to follow him, it will not be too difficult for you. Amen. Let me move forward a little. Let me take a very familiar scripture. In John 3.16, in John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. I'm sure most of us are familiar with that scriptures. Now, now the verse above does not say God loves the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish. No, that's where most of us stops. But that is not the significant thing in that scripture. It says, but have everlasting or eternal life. That's, that's a crucial thing there. So everyone, but the truth is that now, why I said it's not a crucial thing there, if you remove the last part, is because everyone will live forever. Everyone will live forever. Either with Jesus or with the devil. Now, so, so when you see somebody who's trying to commit suicide, thinking that if I kill myself, everything will come to an end, you better tell them that it doesn't end here. 
I, I was I read an article some time ago, somebody who uh, was sentenced to life imprisonment, I think uh, somewhere in America here, and then um, he 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 took he wanted to commit suicide, or he committed suicide. I'm not too sure again now. Now, but what I'm trying to say is that if you know, if you have an idea that there's eternity, that everyone created by God in the image of God will live forever, then you be careful what to do with your life. He will understand that it is better to go to life imprisonment there than to take your life as an unbeliever because you're going to hell. Praise the Lord. I don't know whether I understand what I'm saying. Now, so, so everybody will live forever. So when you look at John 3.16 and you are putting emphasis on, on, the fact that, uh, um, on the fact that we will not perish, you are missing the mark or you are missing the point of what the Bible is trying to pass across to us. Now, now everybody will live forever. Now when the Bible talks about eternal life, it is, it is not something in the future. That's another mistake people make. People think, oh, eternal life starts when we get to heaven. No, eternal life starts from the day you give your life to Christ. Amen. Amen. In John 3.36, in John 3.36, you see, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abide on him. That's why if I may digress a little, that's why evangelism is very important. Anybody who does not have Jesus on the inside of them as their Lord and Savior, they will not see life. They're only existing. Praise the Lord. So it is important that we take time off to preach this gospel to people that are around us so that they will see life. The Bible says, but he who believes in the Son has everlasting life. The moment you believe, eternal life has started. So the goal of salvation, the goal of salvation is not to escape hell. That's not the goal. Hell was not made for man in the first case. So the goal of salvation is not to escape hell. It is, it, it is not to get our sins forgiven only. It is to have a close, personal an intimate relationship with God. So if your sins are forgiven and you still don't go to the next level of having a close, personal, intimate relationship with God, then you have missed it too. But unfortunately, we have uh, changed the message of salvation to believe in God so that you will not go to hell. And that's why we have a lot of baby Christians all over the place, a lot of Christians who don't know their left from their right because the emphasis that we're passing across to them is that come to accept Jesus as the Lord and Savior so that you don't go to hell. It is much more than that. Much more than that. It is just that if you don't accept Jesus as the Lord and Savior and your sins are forgiven, you cannot get to the door of the process of what God will do in your life. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. So we have a lot of people getting saved and not growing because we told them that come and avoid hell. Whereas, that's not the plan of God. As important as forgiveness of sin is, it is not the goal of salvation. The main reason God saved us is to give us eternal life, which is much more than living 
with Jesus forever. Now, let's use the Bible to define eternal life. In John 17, 3, John 17, 3, it says, and this is eternal life, that they may know you. If you don't mind, can we read this together? Look at the screen and read it. Want to go now? Can you see that? So eternal life is from now to know God, the only true God, and Jesus is son whom he has sent. So all our lives is about striving to know God, doing everything within us to know God. Unfortunately, it is not the goal of many Christians to know God. And when we're talking about knowing God, we're talking about intimate relationship with God. I have not gone to Jerusalem, neither am I an Hebrew scholar, but I, sometimes I try to find out some words and their meaning in Hebrew compared to English. And one of them is, is, is that, 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 that verse that says, that they may know you, that know there is the same Greek word that was used in Genesis 4.1 where the Bible says that an Adam knew his wife. So the, the knowing that we're talking about here is not an head knowledge, it's not intellectual knowledge, it's an intimate knowledge. It's an intimate knowledge. It's an intimate knowledge. So if there is no heaven or hell, Jesus will still have come to die so that we can enter into relationship with God. And not only with God, with also his son Jesus. What am I trying to say this morning? God and Jesus should actually be your very best friend. There should be a close relationship. And Jesus gave us all that it takes. I don't want to go to, to that area this morning. But he gave us all, the, all that it takes to make God our best friend. Because he said, it is expedient for me to go so that he can come. Who was he talking about? The Holy Spirit. He said, when he comes, he will teach you all things and remind you about all things that are spoken unto you. So the ultimate desire of God, or Jesus, is that the Holy Spirit will come and help us to have an intimate relationship with who? With God the Father. So, so he gave us Jesus. Jesus, I mean, God gave us the Holy Spirit on a one-on-one -on -one basis. You know, when Jesus was around, physically, on earth, he can only be at one place at the same at, at, at a time. I don't know whether I understand that. Now, because most of us, I'm sure, I'm sure if, if they give us an option to be around when Jesus was around or to be around when the Holy Spirit is in charge, most of us prepare to be around when Jesus was around. Because of, I'll get, I'll get there very soon, because of the physicality. He said, no, I would prefer to be around when Jesus was around. At least he will, he will, I can follow him, I can see him, I can relate to him physically. But what you, what you are quick to forget is that when Jesus was around, he can only be in one place at a time. And so if you come to church like this, in those days when Jesus was physically around, he would come to church with us. And when the service is over, he can only go with one person, and most likely a preacher. So all of you will go home without him. You know, then you'll go home with me. And because I'm saying we're Reverend Emmanuel, so he'll be in our house together. <laughs> but but see, 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 see the wonderful thing that Jesus did for all of us. Now, if service is over today now, God is going home with all of us if you are born again. Because the Spirit of God dwells where? On the inside of all of us. Praise the Lord. So, 
So that spirit was given to you for the purpose of a close, personal, intimate relationship. So that he will teach you, he will guide you, he will lead you. There are some things that are not very clear in the Bible. But the Holy Spirit is there to guide you. For example, where you will walk, to walk is in the Bible. The Bible says who does not walk must not eat. But where you walk is on the Bible. But the Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of you. He can lead you, he can guide you to exactly where he wants you to walk. Because he knows all things. Praise the Lord. So I'm sure you are familiar with the fact that you are a spirit and you have a soul and you live in a body. And so at at salvation, the only thing that changed is your spirit. God took away the dead spirit and gave you a brand new spirit. And that brand new spirit dwells, that brand new spirit, the Holy Spirit dwells in that your spirit. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't we, 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 we don't relate with him on that close basis. If you are conscious of the fact that he lives on the inside of you, there are some things you will stop doing. There are some things you will stop doing. I, I can give my own example. You know, I, I, I live in Lagos, in Nigeria. If you've ever been to Lagos, it's a very easy and nice place to drive. You know, very easy and nice place to drive. <laughs> Where everybody maintains their lanes and everybody keeps things... Uh, you know, so very rough place to drive. You have some some guys that have yellow yellow buses and yellow cabs. They drive recklessly. And I, and I remember very well when I first got to Lagos. I was driving one day. I used to, I used to. They will abuse you. They will insult you. Can you imagine somebody driving on a one way facing you, and you're saying, "Can't you see me?" <laughs> so when some things happen, they and. And when they pass you, they, they abuse you, they insult you, they call you funny names, which I can't mention on this pulpit. And then I used to give them back. They tell me my head is not correct. I'll say, Your own two is. Uh... <laughs> but you know, one day, one day I did that. And as I passed the man, the Holy Spirit said to me, If, if Jesus was sitting beside you on the front seat, he said, what will you say to that man that just abused you? I gave it a thought. And I said, I'll say, God bless you. I don't know whether I understand what I'm saying. I mean, Jesus sitting beside you. And somebody abused you. Uh-uh, you can't abuse back now. Uh-uh, you can't. And that consciousness put a change into my life. It says, I am here with you. So stop using such words. Let us come to a place of understanding that when you give your life to Christ, there was an intimate relationship between you and the Holy Spirit. Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, he said, but he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. You know, those of us that are married, we are one flesh, we are not one spirit. I hope you know that, one flesh. But if you are born again, you are one spirit with the Lord. He's always there with you. He said, I will never leave you, neither will I forsake you. I need to understand that. So our spirit is made perfect. But the reason why it is difficult for us to know God, our spirit is made perfect. And I'd like to read that to you in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. 
Hebrews 10, 14, he said, by one offering he has perfected forever those who, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. So when you give your life to Christ, you, you have a spirit that is perfect. And let me tell you the truth, this same spirit is a spirit that will appear before God at the end. The body will not. The body will be buried here. You will be given a glorified body or a spiritual body. But the same spirit you still carry all over. Praise the Lord. We are not only perfected, we are complete. Colossians 2.20 says, And you are complete in him, who is the head of all principalities and powers. However, it is not God's will that we are only changed on the inside. What is changed on the inside he wants it to manifest. He wants us to manifest the salvation on the outside, so that people will see the glory of God in our lives. People will see what God has done in our lives on the outside, and that's where the and that's where the challenge is for us as Christians. You are born again. Your spirit is perfect. Your spirit is complete, but your soul is standing between the manifestation of what is inside and outside. Now, because the only way we know that things are good for you is what I see on your body. I may not be able to assess your spirit. I may have a little idea. But things manifest on the outside and everybody says, oh, this person is healed. This person is prosperous. This person is doing well. Praise the Lord. This person is blessed. That's, that's, now things that happens around you will see. And so between the spirit that is perfect and complete and your body where men will see the glory of God, you have a soul in between. And that soul has to be renewed so that what is in your spirit can flow into your body. And that renewal of soul comes through the word of God. In the book of Romans chapter 12 verse 1, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the message of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice only acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And verse 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that you may prove that which is good, acceptable, and perfect will God. So, as Christians, it is a sincere plan of God, it is the desire of God, that as, as Christians, we desire the sincere milk of word, the sincere milk of the word of God, that we may grow thereby. First Peter chapter 2, verse 2. So, one of the things that I want to, uh, that you need to note is that for, for the things that you have in your spirit to come out to your body, it has to pass to your soul, and your soul um, needs to, to, to be renewed by the word of God so that, so that it can relate with the things that are in your spirit so that it can manifest your body. Praise the Lord. Now, let, 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 me, let me say to us that I don't know whether you remember what the theme for this year is, you know, because they asked a question at the men's retreat, and once somebody, the person didn't remember what the theme for the year is. I mean, it's less study. Now, one of the reasons we study the word of God is that to renew our souls, to allow what is in our spirit. Everything that is in your spirit, they're good, perfect, and fantastic. There are things there that... I'm sure if, 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 if the Holy Spirit reveals to you that you have it, you yourself will be surprised. How can you say I have this? They are there. But until you, until you study the word of God to a point that it begins to manifest, it becomes an issue. And that's why the theme for this year is very important. Taking from Luke chapter 10 verse 42. The Bible says it's talking about Mary. 
Say, but one thing is needed, that Mary had chosen that good path, which will not be taken away from her, sitting down at the feet of the master to learn the word of God. Now, if you want to know God, it's, it's, it's a lifelong responsibility to sit down, to be taught, to sit down, to study your Bible, allowing the Holy Spirit to minister to you what those verses of the Bible means. Praise the Lord. When you begin to yield yourself to the Holy Spirit, you begin to find a different understanding of the word of God entirely compared to some of the things you have learned which are not totally correct. Now, from, 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 from what I've been saying so far, you and I will agree with me that it is possible to know God. You may not know all of God. I mean, it's, that, that's impossible, but it's possible to know God. Number one, to a reasonable extent. Number two, know him, especially in the area where you have a need. Praise the Lord. Some of us are sick in our bodies. Some of us are struggling with our finances. Some of us are struggling with our careers. There, are, there is a word for every of those areas of our lives that God has made available. So, one of the things we need to understand is that God can be known. And there's a sincere desire in your heart to know him. Let me tell you two things that hinder people from knowing God. Two things that hinder people from knowing God. Number one, there is no sincere desire to know God. A lot of us come to church, but we don't have any desire to know God. All you do is, I mean, you just, you just say, make what they go, make what they do. Let's just be doing it. Let's be going to church. You know, you, you, you get easily confused because you have not taken time to study the word of God. I, 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 I had something, I don't know whether it's true or whether it's a joke or it's true. He said a, a Sunday school teacher was teaching a group of children, and he was teaching about Jonah. And then he got to a point, he says, and, uh, and, uh, and the fish swallowed Jonah. And one of them said, hey, uncle, how? Because he was not grounded in the word of God, he said, oh, sorry, Jonah swallowed the fish. He said, did he boil it or fried it? He got confused. He said, oh, anyway, something swallowed something. Either Jonah swallowed the fish or the fish swallowed Jonah. Now, now, when there is no desire to know God, that's where you land. That's where you land. Somebody came before me some, some, some years ago, came before me and, and um, he told me he was sick in his body. And then after explaining so many things to me, I said, well, let's, 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 let's spend some time going through the scriptures before I pray for you. And I said to him, I said, by the way, how many scriptures do you know on healing? Somebody who is sick. He said, ah, Pastor, I think I know one or two. I said, which one do you know? He said, eh, that one that says, um, is it by stripes or by something? Or, um, um, ha. I said, which second one you, what is the second one you know? Uh, he said, uh, there's one in the, in the book of is it Genesis or Matthew now that says, but be fulfilled, uh, Isaiah, Isaiah spoke it or something. See, idea will not help you on this life journey. Idea will not help you. The same way, if you are trying to look for a way to get from somewhere to somewhere, eh, you have an idea. I always joke with my pastor. I say sometimes you, you, just, you just you say you, you have an idea of how to go from from New York to someplace. You just end up in Boston. If you don't know your way, you can easily be misled. That's and that's and that's what is happening to a lot of us as Christians. We don't know. We don't know and we don't want to know. There's no desire to know God. Again, uh, let me share this with you. A young lady came to me wanting to get married. 
and he has two suitors. And then he brought the two names to me. And then he said to me, he said, Pastor, I don't know whether he can help me pray. Pulling her legs, I said, ah, this will be very costly. He said, what do I mean? I said, because I have to go to Sheraton and lock myself up for five days to pray for you, to find out whether it's James or John. And, and then I said, a night in Sheraton is 100,000, so that's 500,000. I'll be fasting, and I'll break my fast in the evening. I'll eat, I'll eat dinner, and that's another 30,000. So everything's going to about six, 700,000. Do you know she was negotiating with me? That, ah, Pastor, why don't you go to a smaller hotel for me? I just have been deceived. You know, if 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 I if if I was deceived, I'll collect the money, I go back to my house, I'll be eating my breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then <laughs> after five days, I do mini, mini, mini more. James, John, John, yeah. <laughs> and then I come back, oh, it's James. I said, the two men, one of them is a little tall. Say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, is he slightly dark in complexion? We say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, which one of them is that? He said, ah, it's John. I said, that's it. That's how they deceive you. <laughs> because you don't have a desire to know God and go and find out for God by yourself. At the end of the day, I sat down and said, you know, my sister, I don't want you to go from here looking for another person. You'll be deceived. Go and ask God yourself. I said, the unfortunate thing that it may, it may even not be any of the two. There's a desire to know God. If you look at the life of Apostle Paul, Apostle Paul said that, ah, you may know him. Do you know that this same Apostle Paul, I'm looking at the CV, this Apostle Paul wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament. I hope you know that. About two-thirds of the letters of the New Testament written by Apostle Paul. Not only that, if, if you read Philippians chapter 3, verse 5, Philippians chapter 3, verse 5, Apostle Paul say, I was circumcised on the eighth day. He said, I'm of the tribe of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrew. He said, concerning the law, a Pharisee. Do you know what qualifies someone to be a Pharisee? You have the first five books of the Bible in your head. You don't carry it all. You, you know it by heart. He said, I say, I'm a Pharisee. Now, now, not only that, the third thing about Apostle Paul, Apostle Paul was not taught the word of God by men. He was not taught by men. He got most of the things we are talking about by revelation. By revelation. He wrote about the Holy Communion. He was not part of the apostles of Jesus when he was on earth. He never got married. The greatest counsel you get from the Bible was given by Apostle Paul concerning marriage. So many other things like that. In the book of Galatians chapter 1 verse 11. He said, it's Galatians 1 11. He said, but I made known to you, brethren, that the gospel which I preach by me is not according to man. How did he get his own? He received it directly from God by revelation. Yet, this same apostle Paul is saying that I may what? May know him. If Paul is still longing to know him, we, you and I should have a greater longing to know him. To have an encounter with him. To have revelations from the things of God. In the Old Testament, I saw a man called Moses too. Moses had a unique encounter with God because of a desire to know God. Now, I don't know whether you studied the life of Moses before. 
Moses was a man that got to the Red Sea and told the Israelites, he said, don't be afraid. This Egyptian you're seeing today, you will see there no more. <laughs> Where did he get his own confidence from? He knew God. That one did not thrill me as much as this one. Do you know when the Israelites were crying and shouting, no food, no bread, nothing, nothing, he told them, he said, take it easy, take it easy. He said, by tomorrow, by tomorrow, God will rain down bread for you. The bread does not fall in, no. But he said, by tomorrow, you must have an encounter with God to be able to say things ahead. It has never happened. Some of the things we say now, we have seen it happen in the Bible. About that time, nobody has seen such things. And Moses said, God is going to rain down bread tomorrow. Get your containers ready. Take enough for one day. Don't take extra. It will keep raining every day. Of course, if you read the story very well, unbelievers, <laughs> unbelieving believers, some of them when they say, well, I don't know whether this will fall tomorrow, make a pack enough for. <laughs> but Moses assured them that you keep coming. He said, the day before the servant, pick for two days. Now, the same Moses in Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, it says, Exodus 33, 11, 33, 11. He says, so the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. That's how close Moses, but look at verse Look at verse 13 of the same chapter. It says, now therefore, now therefore I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me your ways, show me your ways, that I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight. That I, Moses, after talking to God face to face, after all the exploits he did in Egypt, Leading the, he was still desiring to know God. Okay, let me ask you, how many exploits have you done? There should be a desire in our heart to know God. A very strong desire in our heart to know God. Praise the Lord. David spoke about Moses in, in Psalm 103, verse 7. He said, he made known his ways to Moses. Is acts to the children of Israel. Brethren, learn the ways of God. Don't wait for others to show his acts. No, they just, they're just taking advantage of you. Everybody has a right to know him. Know him enough to run your life. Know him enough to run your life. Don't go asking questions that you can ask God from man. Because sometimes, the answer God wants to give you, men will confuse you. When you go and ask them. Because you can be asking a man who has not had enough encounter with God to believe that God can do such. Praise the Lord. There is no issue in life that is too hard for God to solve. It's just to find out how he wants to do it. The Bible says Moses knew his ways. You too can know the ways of God. Moses, God made known his ways to Moses. He can make known his ways to you too, to the extent that you need him. The extent that you need him. He can make his way known unto you. 
I don't want to, I don't want God to reveal to me how to go to the moon. I don't have any business there. Praise the Lord. But I want God to reveal basic things to me. How my needs will be met. How I can live in good health. Bible talks about Moses. Bible says he was 120. His eyes did not go dim. His strength did not abate. Do you know when Moses was going to die? At 120, he still climbed the mountain. Some of us are just 50. And we are, when we start, we are doing like this. Tell God to reveal his ways to you. I took, I took, I took, I took exercise seriously in the last about four years ago, I started taking it seriously. Before then, I wasn't too interested. It was because God revealed his ways to me. I said, Lord, this long life, how? How? Two things they told me. Cut down your food. Start exercising. They, they have the ways. You eat too much. In fact, if a man tells you that he can get angry, but the spirit tells you, is it not me that went to say this long life? How, how, how are we going to do it? They say, ah, you eat too much. And you don't exercise. If a man tells you that, you get angry with him. Is it your money that I'm using to eat? <laughs> the second reason why people find it difficult to know God. Number one reason is God, there's no desire. The second reason is because Because we are too familiar with living in the flesh than living in the spirit. We're too familiar living by the leading of the senses than being led by the spirit. And because of that familiarity, it's very difficult for us to identify with the things of God. The Bible is so clear. It says, the way to be led is by faith. See, as it says, for without faith, it is impossible to know God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. We're led by faith. We're led by the Spirit. But we're too familiar with our senses than with the Spirit. I'll give you a typical example. Somebody is sick in his body. There's nothing wrong in going to see a doctor. Are you going to see a doctor? And they say, you have this, they prescribe the sickness. Do you know that I am not exaggerating? Nine. Let me, okay, let me put this Maybe seven out of every ten Christians that go to a doctor and they say you have this sickness, guess what's the next thing they're going to do? They're going to the internet. They Google it, this sickness. And then it begins to read all the symptoms. Rather than going to the word of God that says that it might be fulfilled, Matthew 8 17, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, that Jesus took our infirmities and empowered our sicknesses. Rather than meditating on that, you are meditating on what the internet tells you. Didn't I tell you seven symptoms of this sickness? Number one, it will make you lose weight. Number two, your vision will begin to become blur. Number three, you can die in the next four weeks. And then, and then fear grips your heart. Because you focused on the problem rather than focused on who? On God. On the word of God. So, so when we look at these things, it gets us confused now. Now, one of the things we should know, those of us that live in the New Covenant, we should understand this very well, that after Jesus Christ died and rose, you can no longer know him by the flesh, by the senses. God cannot be known by the senses. He can only be known how? 
by the Spirit. Even the disciples have that problem. Let me give you two examples because of my time. In the book of John chapter 20, verse 11, reading downwards, there was an encounter. A woman, Mary Magdalene, had an encounter after Jesus Christ rose from the dead. The Bible says from verse um, 11, it said, but Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she said, and saw two angels were sitting, one of the head and other at the feet, where, where the body of Jesus was laid. Go on, please. Then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now, when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know, she did not know that it was Jesus. The same Jesus that they had an encounter with some few days ago, he did not know. You know the, you know the, you know the problem after Jesus Christ was directed, you can no longer know him by the senses. You can only know him by how? By the spirit. Because after resurrected, he now has a glorified body. You, if you're a student of the Bible, you understand that better. Because he, there was a time when the apostles were together. He entered the place without opening a door. I like that. He had a glorified body. You know? He was, so to say, a spirit. But Mary, who had an encounter with him for days, did not even know that it was Jesus. Next verse. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Now, that is very crucial. Whom are you seeking? It is seeking that makes you know. It is seeking that makes you find. He said, ask, you will receive. Seek, and you shall find. Seek, and you shall find. It is, it is asking that make you receive. It is seeking that make you find. You see, whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have carried him to, and I will take him away. Look at this verse. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni. Now, now I believe strongly that Jesus must have called her in a familiar way she calls Mary, when she was around. So, pow, that was the spirit connection. He said, this must be the master. Look at the next verse. Okay, he said, Rabboni, which is the teacher. Oh, at that point, it came to consciousness that by the spirit that this is Jesus. Let me give you an example and I'll be closing. Another one is, you may have to read that one. It's a long story of Luke, in Luke chapter 24, from verse 13 downwards. Now, two men were going to Emmaus after Jesus Christ was resurrected, and they were going down the road. And then Jesus physically joined them. The Bible describes them as disciples. He joined them, and they were discussing. And they said, ah, you must be a stranger in Israel. You've not heard about this that happened. And they were walking together. Jesus began to open the scriptures to them. And then when you go to verse 23, look at verse 23. No, um, from verse 28, from verse 27 because of my time. 28, sorry. Then they drew near to the village. They were walking now, so they drew near to the village where they were going, and they indicated he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, abide with us, for it is towards evening, and the day is fast spent. And they went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, he sat at the table with them, now it came to pass, as he sat on the table with them, he took the bread, blessed, 
and broke it and gave it to them. What happened? Then their eyes were what? Open. And they knew him and he vanished from their sight. Now, it was that act of breaking bread that opened their inner eyes to know him. I pray for someone here this morning. Your eyes of understanding will be opened that you may know him. They walk with him. They walk with him for about seven miles. But they didn't know it was Jesus. But look at the next verse. <laughs> it says, and they said to one another, did, our, did not our heart burn within us while he talked, while he was on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they, they have an idea, but they didn't know. But the Bible describes it by disciples. Whether the inner 12 or outside the 12, but he didn't know it was him. Brethren, if you are operating by the senses, you can't know Jesus. You can only know him by the Spirit. You can't know him by the Spirit. Because of my time, I, I, I'll, I'll close on this note. I'll close on this note. 2 Corinthians 5.16. I read an amplified version. 2 Corinthians 5.16. Say, consequently, from now on, we estimate and regard no one from a pure human point of view in terms of natural standards or value. No, even though we once did estimate Christ from a human, from a human viewpoint and as a man, yet now we have such knowledge of him that we know him no longer in the terms of the flesh. It is not possible to know him by the flesh. Thomas, one of the disciples, said to the other disciples, the first time Jesus appeared today, that until I see him, and I put my hands in the holes in the sands and the cut on the side. He said, I will not believe. But when they came together in John chapter 20 verse 29, Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. He said, blessed are those who have not seen, yet they have believed. Brethren, you cannot know God by your senses. Let me read one more scripture and I close. 1 Corinthians 2.14. 1 Corinthians 2.14. And I'd like us to read it together. One to go now. Look up. Let's read together. Same version. One to go now. Natural man. Of the spirit of God. For their foolishness to him. Nor can he know them. Because they are spiritually desired. I am sure when you hear the natural man. Some of us will be excited. That okay. About that time, I'm not a natural man. I'm born again. Now. But the definition of a natural man in the Bible is, number one, those who are not born again. Number two, those who are born again and are still operating by their senses. By their senses. The things of God cannot, cannot, uh, they're not what you argue out. The things of God are what you believe. They're what you believe. No, he says, he says, okay, how do you explain? I don't know. Malaria is one of the common sickness in Nigeria. How do you explain that somebody has malaria and is saying, by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed? How do you explain that? No chloroquine, no anti-malaria. I say, you are healed. How? How? How do you explain that a man is trusting God to buy a car and he has saved off five 
$3,000 out of $5,000. And then he tells, his, he tells his wife, God says I should take the money to the church. Or, or maybe you can't relate with that. Maybe you can relate with what happened to Abraham. Abraham waited for a child for 20-something years. And finally, Isaac came. And then God says, go and sacrifice this boy to me. On a mountain that I will show you. Thank God for people who trust God. Can you imagine if Isaac, if Abraham had said to Sarah, there's something I need to discuss with you. I don't know how to put it down. And then he tells Sarah that God told him to go and kill Isaac for him. You know people who died that day? Sarah will have been dead before they come back. That is if she allows him to go with the boy in the first case. But his ways are not what? Our ways. And you have to learn his ways. And the only way to learn his ways is to take time to pray, to take time to study the word of God and make it a way of life to pray regularly in the spirit. In the spirit. Because I believe strongly that one of the ways that Apostle Paul could have gotten holy, gotten from God is that he prays regularly in the spirit and some of the things he prays in the spirit, the interpretation comes to him. I believe strongly. And you too must cultivate that two habits of Studying the word of God. Don't forget that at the time of Apostle Paul, the only word of God that were available then were the first five books of the Bible. And he knew it by heart already. So pray in the spirit. Added to that, will just make it happen for him. I pray for somebody here that the sincere desire to know God will fall upon you afresh. In the name of Jesus. It was a desire for me at a point. I got to a point some 12, 15 years ago, that Lord, I really want to know you. I'm not there yet, but I'm getting better by the day. But I made that desire about 12 years ago, that Lord, I really want to know you. Recently, I said, Lord, I really want to be your friend. I won't forget. I was just, I woke up one morning and on June 30th precisely. Lord, I, I want to sign up a relationship or friendship with you afresh. Afresh. Just to be close to you. It will cost you a lot of things. But it pays at the end of the day. To be close to God. Praise the Lord. At this point I'd like to find out. If there's anybody here this morning. You cannot know God if you are not born again. It's a spirit to spirit thing. You cannot know him unless you are born again. So with all his bows and all eyes closed. I don't know if there's anybody here this morning. You would like to give your life to Christ. That's the beginning. The beginning is that. Of, of that relationship is to give your life to Christ. I am not talking about going to church. A lot of people go to church regularly. Some of you even bear a name in the Bible. That's what we're talking about. I'm not talking about good deeds, helping people. That's what we're talking about. I'm talking about a day that you made a commitment to God and Lord, as on today, I want to be your son. I want to be born again. I want to accept you as my Lord and Savior. Is there anybody here this morning with all this bow, all eyes closed? Can you lift up your right hand? I'd like to pray with you. You can be the only one. The day I got born again, I was the only one there. I still made that commitment to God about 33 years ago. And it has profited me all my life. Anybody this morning, you want to give your life to Jesus, I'd like to pray with you. I'd like to pray with you. Is there anyone? Okay, we'll be safe to, 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 to say that everybody here is saved. We're going to do Holy Communion now. And 
You know, you can't be a part of this Holy Communion unless you are saved. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. You know, so, okay, if there's anybody here, if there's nobody here, I've just been told, uh, people, people online, if you're watching online, and you'd like to be saved, you can just pray this simple prayer after me. And I'll lead you to pray now. And if you make that commitment online, please get in touch with us who like to know that you give your life to Christ from wherever you are. Just keep listening and listen to the announcement. So if you're making that commitment online, pray this prayer primarily. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the privilege you give me to hear your word today. This day, I believe that Jesus is Lord. And I also believe that he died for me. I make a commitment to follow you all the days of my life. Thank you for accepting me. In Jesus' name I pray. 